Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrand. His name is Dan Rubenstein, solidverbal at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can also find us on Facebook, on Fancred, on Twitter, at 408verbal1, and on thousands of playlists around the country. This, Dan Rubenstein, is our first Selection Sunday podcast in the history of the Solid Verbal. How are you, good sir? I am exhausted, but I am coasting at that fun little middle zone between yeah. really tired and a little bit caffeinated. So I'm like in that that very nice zone where I could say or do just about anything. So okay. I'm glad there is an open microphone right in front of me. You've had you've had a busy day today, man. Yeah, it's Sundays are generally busy, but we have yeah. wake up college football at SB Nation, and then we were preparing for the live show we did, and then of course the verbal, and I uh, I've got to write the easy call show, which it's a little bit insane that I'm doing a preview show for the New Year's Day games on December or whatever tomorrow is, but I am not complaining because part of my job is eating food and talking about college football, so I am I am robbing people. Can I give you a bit of a pointer, please? If, in fact, the reports are true and we're recording this now as some of the bowl matchups are being announced. Yes. If, in fact, Notre Dame is playing LSU in the Music City Bowl, Uh lock up LSU minus whatever. They're going to steamroll Notre Dame in that game. Yeah, it's entirely possible. It's on the table, but I am just there's nothing that makes me feel altogether terrific about that game. Maybe other than Leonard Fournette. Okay. Well, we can discuss that more in detail as we progress forward. Maybe not tonight, but certainly we've got shows to fill before these bowl games get rolling. Let's get rolling where we always do. Let's start with those conference championship week reverbs. Have a listen. Yes. Uh, Just a quick shout out to everyone who said the playoff would diminish the excitement of the regular season. Uh, Good call. Hey, this is John in Melbourne, Australia. Hey, this is Brian from Mad Beach, Florida. This is Taylor from Houston. Hey, this is Dan from Brooklyn. You know, this weekend is proof, Dan and time, of why college football is the best and worst sport in the United States. Just got out of church praying for my horn frogs. Wait, this is the suicide prevention hotline, right? After watching Ohio State, John Baylor get that last spot in the playoff. I'm pretty sad there right now. If the Big 12 were a character in the Bible, it would be King Solomon. And Baylor and TCU are more than willing to let it cut the baby in half. Still have no idea what the hell a quality loss is. So I think a bunch of men in Columbus are going to be calling their doctors tonight for erections lasting longer than four hours. Melgore, deactivate. I think your Melgore robot or soundboard or whatever ran out of batteries. And say, what's double overtime with this Ohio State team? (laughs) Dude! Cardell Jones, the hot time in the old town tonight. I'm watching Ohio State right now take an absolute blowtorch to what's supposed to be a pretty good Wisconsin defense and doing it with a third-string quarterback and a bunch of freshmen and sophomores all over the field. Stavi! Stavi throws the ball like Stavi from the movie The Ringer. He has no fingers! Go Buckeyes. I know you guys are tired of getting calls from me, but he's still drunk. It's fun. And America's team still hasn't won a game this year, a.k.a. whoever's playing Florida State. 
It's a Christmas miracle. Oklahoma State wins Bedlam. Kick it again, Bob. Kick it again. Not only does the Pac-12 hate the rest of America by scheduling your game at 9 p.m. on a Friday, but they also hate their own fans. That stadium was about half full. Hello, I'm Oregon Ducks head football coach Mark Helbridge, and I have DirecTV. And I'm Arizona Wildcats football coach. Rich Rodriguez, I am cable. Then on the other hand, you have an Arizona offense that I think has been lucky to make a first down, maybe in the first half if they're lucky. Just when I think Mizzou can compete with the big boys, I remember it's five-star recruits versus three-star recruits, M-I-Z. And what if the Florida coaching search is just Jeremy Foley's elaborate ruse to find out who his father really was? And I think it's going to be a proper coup de grace, dance season of analysis and picks when Lane Kiffin receives the Broyles Award. I just watched another amazing UCF finish to a football game, another amazing catch. I'm pretty sure I witnessed George O'Leary flip the double birds to the crowd and take a shot of whiskey. March Thundering Herd, 12-1, conference champions. The Herd got all kinds of crap about the defense. And then the defense went out and won it. It was awesome. So all the games have been played. Everything went chalk. And all I got to say is this is going be good ah there you have nice. it nice this is going to be good indeed here is your first ever college football final four i hope that people have been holding out for the solid verbal episode to find out who the four teams there's are. some guy in wisconsin driving on a deserted highway la, la, at 5 a.m not listening here is who is in the final four Yes. To those of you listening at home, surely you know by now, if you're listening to the show, your final four. Number one, Alabama. They'll be squaring off against number four, Ohio State, who got in by virtue of their big win, 59-0 over Wisconsin yes. in the Big Ten Championship. That game will be played in the Sugar Bowl. Then, being played in the Rose Bowl, you've got Oregon, the number two seed, against Florida State, who moved up a slot after their two-point victory over Georgia Tech in the ACC championship. So, number one, Alabama. Number two, Oregon. Number three, Florida State. And number four, Ohio State, Dan. What do you feel deep down inside your soul when you look at those rankings? I, I tweeted something out last night. I don't know if you saw it. It seemed to catch on a little bit that the committee could have a really easy time by just... Yep. Okay. Going with the national team that makes the most attention and money for college football interests and totally bypass the TCU Baylor head to head argument for that number four spot with one through three pretty locked up. I think everybody assumed going into the final selection that it was going to be Alabama and then Oregon and either Florida State in the three or four position. I think that was the conventional wisdom and seeing Ohio State there with their performance against a, an excellent Wisconsin defense and running game with only a week to prepare their, the guy that started out the season at, at the third string quarterback. I know he was ahead of JT Barrett uh, in fall camp at a certain point. Um, but to see his performance on that stage and how well that defense adjusted to Wisconsin in that short time after struggling these past few weeks, it is defensible. I'm not, Right. I understand the frustrations of TCU at 
being considered the number three team allegedly by this committee last week and then beating Iowa state by 52 and then suddenly not being the number three team. That frustration is understandable given their, their resume all season long and Baylor, of course, having the head to head win uh, looking like a team that could hang with and or beat anybody in the country, all defensible, but with all things being relatively equal, it just makes sense that the committee is going to go with, a big national conference in the big 10, like it or not, no matter how good or, or not deep they are, they're still a big national conference and the premier, the current premier program within that conference. It makes good sense, especially if that team is peaking as they are, as we speak now. So I don't have the anger that Baylor and TCU fans must surely feel in the, the sort of bottom of their gut right now, especially our Bryles who has completely lost his mind. Yep. The, the top has completely blown off. If there were, if there were any hair left on our Bryles head, it is now it's floating somewhere. It's singed over somewhere. McLean. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for Baylor fans who saw an excellent team that deserved to go to the playoff. I feel bad for TCU fans who saw an excellent team this season that deserved to go to the playoff. But in the end, as somebody not loyal to either one of those teams, I am, I am glad that it appears that we will have a quality playoff with four teams that are defensively able to be considered playoff teams. Here's what I find strangely ironic. Yeah. Week two, week three, I forget which week it was, but mm-hmm. there was definitely a point earlier this season where everyone proclaimed the Big Ten as being dead, flatlined, done. Correct. No credibility at all. The conference as a whole is just a bunch of crap. Well, as it turns out, Ohio State thumped Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Mm -hmm. In doing so, that game got them into this playoff. That game also, if you look back on it now, the committee gave Wisconsin a heck of a lot of credit. To see what Ohio State did in that game, they must have thought pretty highly of Wisconsin. They must have genuinely believed Wisconsin was the 13th best team in the country. To then look at that game, see what Ohio State did, and propel them forward into the final four. Yeah, it's it was easy. And the, the, the committee spoke about not considering an entire conference strength as a they just looked at resumes and looked at schedules, specific schedules. They didn't like look at reputation or general perceived strength because that's a difficult thing to do. Ohio right. State is clearly an excellent team. The Big Ten is clearly not on par with Ohio State's excellent and excellence and talent level. Um, Wisconsin's one of those situations where it's it's very difficult to figure out how just how good they are or aren't, especially on defense. When you look at the the schedule they played, they played an LSU team that they probably should have beaten and really had a terrible fourth quarter. And LSU turned out to be pretty good, but nothing really beyond that. And then you look at the rest of their schedule. They have a bad loss against Northwestern and it's a whole bunch of they, the, the, the big win is obviously over Nebraska, a team who fired their coach, perhaps unjustly. Um, but that was it. That was a terrific win. And outside of that, they were nothing spectacular against Iowa and the rest of their schedule is pretty lackluster. They killed, I guess, a Mac championship team. Right, exactly. But it was, it was, they put up great numbers against a sort of shrug and I guess it's okay schedule. They gave them a lot of credit, but they have the best running back in the country that was completely shut down, completely shut down, which means you owe me more food. I do owe you more food and I'm happy to do it because I get to see your bright shining face. All right. So let's talk about the Ohio state game first. Then since we're talking yes. a lot about the Buckeyes, yeah. I already mentioned 59, nothing. You already mentioned Melgore. Melgore. 
I'm going to cut it off early there because Melgo oh, yeah, was not activated. Yeah, it's, he was activated, but never really did much once activated. 76 yards, just 2.9 per carry in the game. Yeah. As I mentioned, I win the breakfast bet. So all you need to look at, if you are that man in Wisconsin or mm-hmm. Idaho, or Mo- actually we have no listeners in Idaho at last oh, we mo- No, we definitely do. Maybe it's Montana then where there are no listeners. Somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, there is a state. Let's they say Montana. The Tricer Valley. Montana, they have... No solid verbal listeners in Montana. If you are that man driving on a deserted highway, completely unaware of everything that transpired this weekend. Yeah. All you need to do is look at the box score for this game and see that Joel Stave attempted 43 passes. That's how, you know, something went horribly wrong for Wisconsin in this game. You know how people used to use the big game Bob moniker for Bob Stoops in the big games? Is it time to maybe start with the big game Badgers thing? Ooh, I mean, they won a bunch of big Ten championships. They went to the Rose Bowl a bunch of years in a row. They did, but I, they've also lost a lot of big games. All things considered, Wisconsin being a year in and year out double digit esque win team. It's hard. Oklahoma has much more of a, a long term tradition. I'm not there yet with big game Badger, but I can imagine it's frustrating to lose like this after a performance like they had against Nebraska. Yeah, they did not look good in this game. Not at all. It really was never close. The story, though, of course, was Cardale Jones. He's the third string quarterback for Ohio State. He steps in in place of JT Barrett in place Mm -hmm. of Braxton Miller. No big deal. Goes 12 of 17 for 257 yards and three touchdowns. All three went to Devin Smith, who had himself a game. Four yes. catches, 137 yards, and those three scores. Also, Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Just an offensive showing. So dominant that around what time? 10 o'clock? Yeah. Somewhere around there, people started uh, putting it up on Twitter. Uh, maybe the fourth team. Maybe the fourth yeah, best it, team in the it, country. Paul Feinbaum was in on him. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed like that was going to be the case more and more. If they if they were able to prove it on the field that they were at least in that conversation, how do you keep them out? I, it's just, you know, the Big 12 without that championship game with one of their teams not having the out of conference that Ohio State had. And Ohio State, granted, had the the worst or the yeah the worst loss of those three teams but yeah if if the committee was looking at momentum and looking at injuries and seeing how teams bounce back from injuries and we're taking uh a team's entire resume but also where they've come from because ohio state clearly not the team they were after the virginia tech loss they've been they've been different and I, I talked to yeah, I talked to Bill Connolly on the live show that SB Nation that we did on on the website, and he said since that game, they've just the numbers, the advanced metrics on a per play level, on a on a success level, they've been either the number two or three team in the country. So it's very difficult to say they weren't. They had that lull against Penn State. They didn't look great for all of Indiana, but in terms of what they were able to do for four quarters at a time, they're right there. Here's my problem with putting Ohio State in. Okay. The third string quarterback thing throws me a bit. He had a perfect game. He had a perfect game. He looked great. I don't want to take anything away away from what he did. 15 yards per attempt is stupidly good. In the Big Ten Championship. Cardell Jones looked awesome. Mm -hmm. That was one game. One game. Yeah. If I had more of a sample size, more of a sampling, if I knew more about Cardell Jones, I would feel better about putting Ohio State in this game. But when you've got other teams like TCU and Baylor, 
Yeah. Both of whom I think we could certainly argue were worthy of that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. I don't look at Ohio State now going into this matchup with Alabama right. and realistically feel like they can win this game. I don't look at Baylor and say to myself, realistically, this team can win the national championship. The only one of those three teams personally that I feel could have won at all would right. be TCU. Yeah. Now, TCU, Baylor, we'll get into that in a little bit, but the Ohio State thing sort of caught me a little off guard. I understand why they did it. I'm not saying they're not deserving. I've been all in on Ohio State since week three. Mm -hmm. But the third string quarterback thing to me throws me a bit and is going to be a problem if you give Nick Saban all that time to prepare for him. I just don't think they've got a shot. You a New York Giants fan, Ty? Unfortunately. You remember who the quarterback was? I think it was like the 91 Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler? Yeah, wasn't Phil Simms, was it? Wasn't the starter. No. Who got them there? No. I'm just saying, there's precedent. I mean, how many years are we going back? 23, 24 years. But with time, Cardell Jones had a a week of number one reps, and he put up a perfect game. It's not going to be the same against the Alabama defense. But with three weeks of number one reps... And that's about how long it took JT Barrett to become JT Barrett after taking over for Braxton Miller at the beginning of the season. Right. I think, and I don't, I don't necessarily think Ohio state can beat Alabama, but I think Ohio state can play damn near their ceiling after three weeks of Cardell Jones reps, not live game reps. Granted his second start ever will be against Alabama in the sugar bowl, but I am confident that they can approach their ceiling with him. He he can throw the ball deep, which as yeah. we saw in the iron bowl is something that Alabama may have some difficulty with. Yep. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott's going to have as much success running the football against Alabama. Cause Alabama was really stout along that defensive line. I like how we say, and I, I, I say the same thing and everybody says the same thing. Like, well, Alabama has trouble with the deep ball. They have trouble with the deep ball against Sammy Coates and a quarterback who led his team to the national championship last year. Mm. They have trouble with the deep ball against Johnny Manziel, the most productive sec quarterback like ever. So yes, they have trouble with the deep ball against two of the sec's most dominant quarterbacks of the past 10 years, five years. It's a yeah. very good point. All right, let's move to Alabama. Then they of course will be the number one seed in that sugar bowl. They won 42 to 13 over Missouri yes. in the SEC championship. This game was never close. It was, but it mostly wasn't. At one point, Missouri whittled it down to an eight point Bama lead. If you're watching, you're thinking, OK, all right, 21, 13. This End is the third. Yeah. yeah, this is intriguing. And 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 and, and Bama just rips off 21 straight. They win 42, yeah. 13. It was a great game. By the Crimson Tide, you know, you can credit Nick Saban, you could credit Lane Kiffin or Blake Sims or whoever you want. Bama was just the better, more balanced team. And it's scary if you're a fan of any of these other three teams in the college football playoff, because Bama seems like they're getting better week in and week out. Um, I am taller than Missouri was able to rush per carry it. <laughs> It was, what is it, 1.9 yards, 1.8 yards per carry for Missouri. Missouri can only win in one very specific way. That's controlling the ball on offense and not turning the ball over and counting on their defense to put the offense in a fantastic position, turn the ball over, get into the face of quarterbacks. Alabama's offensive line did a terrific job. Lane Kiffin did a terrific job of keeping Alabama in a rhythm. They come out right away going no huddle and up tempo, something that Nick Saban was positive was was a big risk to player health and safety. And I guess it's not anymore. I guess that changed. Um, 
and Lane Kiffin did a great job of Broyles award finalists, like whoever said it in our reverb. Uh, good to see Alabama scoring points. Good to see points in the SEC. Hate old fashioned football. Love creative new fashioned football that gets Amari Cooper the ball in space. That's great. Um, I uh, I am more confident. I feel like at this point in Alabama than any other team in the country, just because of how well coached and managed they are on both sides. I agree. Um, the the possibility, the likelihood of seeing bad Blake Sims shrinks and shrinks by the week. It's possible that he emerges. He's shown himself to have the ability to to sort of show his his worst side, like he did in the first half against Auburn. But at this point, there are too many ways for Alabama to win. And that is what Missouri learned, despite Maddie Mock's best efforts to run around and throw it up and somehow complete passes to Jimmy Hunt. Yeah. But Missouri can only win in one way. And teams that can only win in one way generally don't end up in huge, huge games. Yeah. I mean, their best offense was Maddie Mock scrambling outside the pocket. Yeah. And just heaving it up. There were like three or four passes. Mm-hmm. That combined for close to 150 yards. That was the majority of Missouri's mm-hmm. yardage. They just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Just 41 combined yards between Hansborough and Murphy. And you're right. You can't beat Alabama if you are that one dimensional. It's just not going to not going to work out. If you can't move Alabama a little bit on the inside and good luck with a Sean Robinson and Reggie Ragland and all those guys, if you can't get three and a half yards per carry in inside zones, running off tackle, whatever. And as Missouri tried to do going horizontal, nobody succeeds going horizontal against Alabama or LSU or any of these teams with large, angry, fast people. That's just not an option. So you have to be able to move people a little bit on the inside. And as Missouri saw like the third play of the game, like, well, we got to do something different. And that didn't work. So yeah, good luck. By the way, a lot's been made of Lane Kiffin putting his hands up mm-hmm. for he was two for two. Right. With premature touchdown celebrations. Yeah. And then he tried it again and he whiffed. Do you think it's the kind of thing where he saw it on social media after he went home after last week? Right. And decided that he was just going to give it a shot a couple more times this week to keep the train rolling. You would think, but I have my doubts that there's anything social about Lane. Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did enjoy by the way, about Lane Kiffin in in actuality. I know the CBS crew overplayed it a little bit because that's what Gary Bamielson does when he's watching the SEC. I did. That was very good. That was you. That was you. Pretty damn cool to see Bama take a page from the Auburn playbook on its first couple drives. That was neat. Yeah, no, they ran the Gus Malzahn offense. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So Alabama again wins 42 to 13 over Missouri. They will play Ohio State. We will talk about the TCU and Baylor stuff here in just a little bit after we get through your other side of the college football playoff bracket. We should take a moment, though, and talk about our sponsor for this evening. I think we should take two, three moments. Today's episode brought to you in part by Bombas. (laughs) And we're positive that's how it's pronounced. It is Bombas, yes. It's not Bombas. No, it's Bombas. Bombas. Bombas are athletic leisure socks. They're bomb ass socks. That's right. Re-engineered to look better, feel better, and perform better, Daniel. Head on over yes. to bombas.com slash verbal. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash verbal. We had a huge response to the read we did on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go, you'll get 20% off 
Yeah. These are comfortable socks, so comfortable that it took the fine engineers at Bombas two years, two years, I say, oh, of research and development to figure out all the science behind it. They are built like honeycombs oh. on your feet now. Honeycomb. Love a good honeycomb. If it's good enough for the bees, surely it's good enough for your feet. Mm-hmm. You'll get support and tightness where you need it the most in your arch. They fit perfectly, just the right tension to make sure they stay up properly. And they've got a special Y stitched heel cup to make sure that your socks stay in place. Ankle socks even have a neat little uh, blister tab on the back to cushion you from like the rubbing or the chafing or I like that. I no one likes rubbing or chafing Dan. So no, not that drum and fife. Not at all. Besides all that fun stuff, Bombas has an important mission, not just this holiday season, but the whole year through. They help those in need. We're big on that here at Solid Verbal. You know this. Mm-hmm. The socks are number one when it comes to things requested at homeless shelters. And Bombas was founded to help solve that problem. They've donated a pair of socks and they will donate a pair of socks for each one purchased. So far, since October 2013, they've donated 150,000 pairs Damn. of Bombas socks to the needed. That's pretty good. That's so. Great. Again, head on out to bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash verbal. Check them out. They're really cool. They're really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And now you can get 20% off your order if you want to check them out. I think you definitely should, Ty. I think you definitely should. You're only as comfortable as your feet are. This is one of your life, uh, your life. Oh, Dan Rubenstein, life tenets, wisdom, always embrace. You're only as comfortable as your feet are. You go with those two things. You steer into whatever's, whatever's going on in your life and you just embrace it. And you take care of your feet. There's very little you can't handle in this thing we call life. Let's move on to the PAC 12 championship Friday, Friday night, the bright Friday night lights of Levi stadium in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. Oregon, 51, Arizona, 13, there along the california coastline dan yeah a little trouble getting out of the dock i would say yeah for that boat racing but uh not for the defense just for the offense took a little bit to get going on a really bad field levi's stadium yeah, what was really with that fifth i think it's the fifth field in four months for that stadium so Yay, let's figure things out it reminded me a lot of remember when i think it was the giants played the dolphins at Wembley Stadium. Yes. One of the first games that the NFL played in London. Just muck. Yeah. And they kept they kept the soccer pitch mm-hmm. intact and expected guys like Justin Tuck. Oops. <laughs> and at the time, OC Humanura to just yeah. go out there and play on that half inch tall grass. And it was torn to shreds. No one could keep their footing. Mm-hmm. And it just looked like hell by the time the second quarter rolled around. That's what this field looked like. It looked dry. It almost looked dead. I don't know if it's something with the air out there, but they got to try and fix that before before the Pac-12 comes around next time. I'm not. okay. so when we talk about this game specifically and what we learned about Oregon, what we learned about Arizona, what we learned about the the matchup between Oregon and Florida State, Arizona, I don't believe and I could be wrong. Did they have a meaningful, a successful, meaningful offensive play in this game? I don't know if they did. I really wow. don't know if they did in this game. And and I think you rightfully voiced concern over Oregon's defense before this game. And this is still an Oregon defense that I would say was is decidedly improved in the second half of this season since sure. that Arizona game. Yeah. 
Oregon's defense looked to be as good as any Oregon defense I've ever seen uh, as a fan. And really their performance against Arizona was as good as any defense has looked against a very good team, perhaps all season long, maybe short of Ohio state against Wisconsin last night. But I would argue that Arizona is probably more complete offensive team than Wisconsin especially with the success they've had against Oregon these past couple seasons, the adjustment that Oregon made on defense, they won every single block up front. They tackled in the open field outstandingly well. Nothing got uh, accomplished going laterally at all for Arizona. They got to a new Solomon constantly. And even though the offense took a little bit to get going, it eventually did And Oregon with the element of Royce Freeman, the true freshman running back, perhaps he with Dalvin cook, who will coincidentally be playing against each other great true freshman running back matchup. Um, Royce Freeman gives them an element that perhaps they, they haven't had since LeGarrette Blunt in that power back within this offense to get some tough yards. And then Oregon has the best quarterback in the country. And I, you know, Jameis Winston's the most proven quarterback, but Marcus Mariota is right now the most productive and talented quarterback Well, let's- uh, th- through the air on the ground. He had five touchdowns. I feel like, especially with Melvin Gordon's performance against Ohio state, won himself the Heisman. I feel like that's a thing. And uh, even without their all American center, without an all conference left tackle all year long, uh, without their best receiver all year long uh, and without uh, their starting the guy who started the year at running back, Oregon was still able to completely obliterate the clear second best team in the conference. And I don't, I'm not super confident about Oregon going against Florida state, but if they're able to get Oh, and they're starting tight end. Um, if Oregon's able to get a little healthier on the offensive line with these three weeks off, uh, they're scary as hell. You, you realize you don't have to stump for Oregon anymore, Dan. They oh, already, I know they I already made the playoff. You're good. But this was, I mean, since the Michigan state game, this was probably as complete and as, as impressive as they, as they, they were all season they, long. They looked very good. I'm and trying to, I'm trying to, to sort of paint them looking forward to Florida state. And what what to expect or what not to expect. They, they looked very good in this game. And yeah. you, you can't say enough good things about what the defense did. Still a very potent Arizona offense. Yeah. You could certainly look at some games that Arizona's played following that big Oregon win. Yeah, they had a big letdown back. against UCLA. I mean, they've had their moments and a new Solomon remains a bit of an enigma, but yeah. Oregon only gave up 25 first half yards. That's 25. Not bad. That's not, that's not bad. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Against a rich rod led team. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they kept Nick Wilson really in check. He's had a couple big weeks now. He just never yeah. got going. They were taken so out of rhythm, just three of 15 in this game on third downs. Eventually in the second half, they go to Jesse Scroggins, uh, a, a guy who, if you follow recruiting at all, you know, he started out at USC, then ended up yeah. in Arizona. He wasn't able to do much through the air. This was a total dominant effort by the Oregon Ducks on the defensive side of the ball. And as you mentioned, just as dominant on offense between Mariota, 313 yards, two touchdowns to the air, had three more on the ground. They also had 301 yards rushing, which is pretty impressive, a balanced effort mm-hmm. from Oregon. I think that's why. They are the early seven and a half or eight point favorites over Florida State. Is that what it is? I haven't even looked at lines yet. It, it's jumped around a little bit. Okay. Uh, here and there. And you're right. I mean, I think if you look at that game moving forward, your only real area of concern, if you're an Oregon fan, should be that offensive line. It should be that health 
along well, the offensive line. And yeah. maybe you feel a little bit better about that, knowing that Florida State is equally as nicked up now yeah, along say, their yeah. defensive line. Eddie Goldman and their starting nose guard, yeah. They, they had some difficulty last night against a very potent Georgia Tech team, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about here momentarily. Florida State certainly cannot afford to play from behind against Oregon. They can't start slowly against Oregon because the Ducks are that kind of team that can go out there and get up on you 21 nothing before you have a chance to blink. Yeah, and all of and all of the games that we've seen Florida State need to come back uh in we look at the quarterbacks that you know last night we had Justin Thomas and I'm sure we're going to transition to this game momentarily. Justin Thomas, you know, whatever it was, Georgia Tech down 6, what it was it like 34-28 at a certain point? when he eventually threw that fourth down or third down the, the terrible pass. Oh, right. Uh, so it's Justin Thomas, Brad Kaya, the ugliness at the end of Clemson and Deshaun Watson is quite good. Um, we had the, the BC quarterback, Tyler Murphy. We had all these quarterbacks that they had teams in their games with, through various means, but you, you're like, how is this team going to come back? How's this team going to drive and score on Florida state to win this game? Now they have Oregon. Uh, a really dangerous team with the best quarterback in the country who, if they're down four with two and a half minutes left, you're, you don't just like shrug your shoulders and say, well, Florida state won. Um, and that, that is going to be an, in, an entirely entertaining game. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Oregon will be playing Florida state. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'll be in L.A. anyway. Um, okay. And I will be. This is interesting enough because I will. God, I I will have not. God, when was the last time I went to a college football game? It's been a couple of years now. So. So are you going as a media member or going as a fan? No, I'll probably go as a fan. Um, Good. Just because I want I want to tailgate. Good. I want to I want to hang with all of my Oregon friends, uh, West Coast Kevin, friend Casey, all those types of people. And uh, it's been a long time. And. Have you been to the Rose Bowl? You haven't been to the Rose Bowl. I have not been to the Rose Bowl, no. A lot of that, if not, well, a lot of the meaningful tailgating, it all happens on like a golf course right next to the stadium where everybody parks. So you're just like on these rolling grassy hills with shade and grilling. It's it's pretty idyllic, Ty. Well, I'm, I'm excited Someday for you. you'll get out there. I'm excited for you. Yes. Um, okay. Oregon will square off against Florida State. Florida yes. State, after knocking off Georgia Tech by two, mm-hmm. 37-35, yeah. They moved up in the college football playoff rankings to number mm-hmm. three. I think with the exception of the Bedlam game, which hopefully we have a chance to mention here if we don't run out of time. This was right. probably the second most fun game to watch on the day. Is that fair to say? I would say so, especially with the I mean, you have all sorts of sounds you can play about this game. Oh, uh, yeah. you, can, you can play your backdoor cover. You could play your shootout. You can play all sorts of fun things. We're going to get to that, Dan. Um, I was I was surprised by this game. What what surprised you? Well, and I think there were things to be surprised about. I sure. Think you're right. I was surprised because of what I said on Wednesday. I thought either a Florida State blowout or a close mm-hmm. win by Georgia Tech. In the end, it was that two, three, four point type of victory as the altar of Dan predicted as, as the altar of Dan. Correct. Right or wrong. Every time Florida State really got about two, three, four stops on defense. Uh huh. That's all you need. And that's what shifted the balance of this game. They gave them a few mm-hmm. extra possessions. That's all they needed to win. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. What surprised me the most about this one. Yeah. Was that Florida state took as long as it did to stop Georgia tech. I expected Georgia tech to have some degree of success on Florida state. 
Yeah. Never in a million years did I expect the flex bone, the triple option mm-hmm. to be that successful against Florida State. Like, I know they've got difficulty up front. And of course, they got a little banged up along the defensive line and all that. Right. Did not expect Georgia Tech to go out there and look as impressively as they did. I mean, they've, they've played extraordinarily well all season long on offense. And the defense we knew wasn't great. But when the offense keeps the defense on the field as long as Georgia Tech is capable of, they stay rested. <laughs> Georgia Hell Tech's yeah. defense definitely stays rested. And credit Georgia Tech's defense, especially in the, in the red zone in the second half. Florida State didn't get into the end zone. There were some miscommunications and obvious opportunities to score six, and Florida State was unable to. And good for Florida State uh, to hang on. But Georgia Tech did a great job early on punching. I think our friend Jason Kirk on the shutdown full cast uh, just kept comparing Paul Johnson's strategy to a very, very basic street fighter two player and just fierce punch, yep. fierce punch, fierce punch. Justin Thomas ran that offense exquisitely. Um, Georgia tech. I mean, they looked exactly like an excellent Georgia tech team should look. Unfortunately, miscommunication at the end of games with route running and and figuring out secondary coverages and all sorts of things. But uh, Florida state got great timely stops, took advantage of them. And, and I've, I've said this so many times today, I forget exactly where and when and how, but Florida state survived. And that's a compliment because that's the only way you can really beat Georgia tech when their offense is rolling like this. And it was a shootout early on. And Florida State stayed with them, picked their spots. Uh, Jameis Winston, no picks, which is a huge leap forward for Mr. Winston. And Georgia Tech, I, you know, they were what, number uh, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 11. going into this game. Yep. I have a hard time saying they're any worse than that. Georgia Tech was mostly unstoppable on offense. They yeah. really were. 331 on the ground, 3455 of possession. Mm hmm. Remember, I said on Wednesday, the magic number for me was 35 minutes, 37 minutes. If you can get the 37, I think you win. And actually, surprisingly, that might have been the correct analysis. Sure. Because if if right, somehow, some way that might have been correct. If Georgia Tech picks up an extra third down, if they're able to do that, maybe they win this game. Maybe they win this game. They had a shot. Mm -hmm. Nice drive there at the end by Justin Thomas, get a little backdoor cover. Right. You know, a horrible onside kick to follow. Oh, but uh, a, a nice job by Georgia tech to fight in this one. Florida state for its part, looked pretty unstoppable on offense too. You mentioned Jameis Winston. Oof. Dalvin cook has been Oof. lightning in a bottle. The last couple of weeks had 177 on the ground here. Georgia tech could generate almost no pressure on Jameis Winston, which is not a good winning strategy against Florida State. The Ted Roof defense. Oh, it's not even a leaky roof at this point. It's like an inside out <laughs> umbrella. Yeah. Needs to get better if Georgia Tech wants to get to the next gear. Yeah. But I thought a really admirable showing here in the ACC championship. And if they can keep things rolling now, of course, they extended Paul Johnson another four years. If they can keep the train rolling this is a formidable team. They just got to work on that defense. Uh, here's my impression of Dalvin Cook. I don't mean to sound like him, but this is what is inside of his brain when he gets a handoff. <clears throat> oh my God, Elaine, let's do this. Yeah. Oh my God, Elaine, let's do this. Yeah. That is, that is what it seems it. accurate to me. Yeah, he really, his burst just upon receiving a handoff and noticing a crease that should be there. And yeah 
it was it was a really nice game from Florida State's offensive line. Cam Irving, week in and week out, making a great transition to center from left tackle and just blowing things up in the middle. Um, the burst that Dalvin Cook has, and I hope it lasts for another two years and he doesn't get beat up because it is real fun to watch. He's very, very solid. And kudos again to the Florida State offensive line. Mm-hmm. Very easy to forget about, about offensive line play, but Florida State's O-line was superb in this game, not only opening up running lanes for Dalvin cook, yeah. but certainly keeping Georgia tech defenders off the back of James Winston. Mm-hmm. Again, he was, he saw virtually no pressure 21 of 30, 309 and three touchdowns yeah. through the air that sets up a matchup with the Oregon ducks. One more time. Mm-hmm. It is Oregon as a seven and a half point early favorite against Florida state. The other game, by the way, Alabama an early 10 point favorite against Ohio Sounds state. About right. Yeah. So, Nick Saban with three weeks to prepare for a third string quarterback. So that brings us to this weird spot now Mm. where we've got Ohio state in the playoff and we've got two teams on the outside looking in. We do TCU and Baylor are going to get their crack at solid opponents. Yes. In solid bowl games, the peach bowl for TCU Mm -hmm. against Ole Miss, which I think will be a fun game to watch Miss defense against Javon Boykin. Yeah. I'll watch Baylor plays Michigan state in the cotton bowl on new year's day, which might be the best bowl matchup of all. We'll enthusiastically watch that. But the point is that neither team managed to get into this final four Mm -hmm. TCU, the previous number three team in the college football playoff rankings, they won 55 to three at home against (laughs) Iowa state. If you watched football at all yesterday, you would have seen ESPN showing the highlights of that weird wide receiver throwback play. They showed it about 400 times. Love a good convoy tie. A 55 yarder from David Porter. That's right. They used the convoy word every time they talked about this play. Anytime the word convoy is used in the middle of a college football broadcast. That's good watching. I don't care who you are. That's good watching. 55 to three. They win by 52. Certainly didn't do anything to get themselves dropped out of the top four. Yeah, how dare they only win by 52? Then Baylor at home knocks off K-State. It was a good mm-hmm. game. Good enough to keep your interest until about midway through the fourth quarter. Right. Baylor always had K-State at arm's length. It was it was never in danger of losing. I was impressed by the offense, what they did to K-State's defense. A ton of total yards. Bryce Petty only missed six passes. They win 38 to 26. Baylor, TCU, Ohio State. We've talked about why we're both okay with Ohio State for the most part being in there. Yeah. If you are picking between Baylor and TCU and you're taking Ohio State completely out of the equation, which Mm -hmm. one of those two teams would you put in? Uh, I think I have more confidence in TCU. Yeah. Because it was a it was a strange game against Baylor that they won outright. There was some strange officiating that went both ways. TCU um, really blew the game, and oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Baylor really did a good job coming back in that game and scoring a ton at the end. But it felt like I walked away from those team that game saying, "Well, Baylor walked away with a win," and I don't feel way better about Baylor than TCU. And throughout the season, I felt like TCU was able to win in a number of different ways. They beat the team, albeit only by one, that beat Baylor with the worst loss. But 
it's when you get into the playoff semantics and the term quality loss and like, who's to say what's a quality loss that was that on a, a reverb quality loss. Yeah. We did get a yeah. quality loss. You reverb. know what I thought of when I heard that reverb, like what the hell, what the hell is a quality loss, whatever, you know, who's a quality loss, Osama bin Laden. That's a quality loss. Okay. Everybody can agree that Osama bin Laden was a quality loss. Okay. Just generally speaking. I, you know, West Virginia is a decent enough team that definitely got better this season. And everybody was like very quick to pile on West Virginia. They didn't look as good in the back half of the season as they did in the first half, but they were a pretty decent team to me, TCU and the steps forward that their offense took with a couple of down weeks for Bryce Petty against what looked to be decidedly inferior competition and with Baylor you know, it's not like our Bryles, it's not like any players are scheduling these guys, the, these teams in September. And they, they very much schedule these teams thinking that they just wanted to win six or seven, maybe even eight games in a season, not foreseeing taking the steps that they did to become a, a nationally relevant team. But when I have no interest in watching any Baylor games in September, and I don't feel like a lot of people did because do you want to watch them play against SMU or Northwestern state or Buffalo? I can't imagine you do. It's tough to to say, well, Baylor started off a little bit slow and look how much better they got. Like we can say about Ohio State. It's just it's one of those things that that combined with the Big 12 having 10 teams and not playing a championship game and not really. And that means, I guess, Baylor and TCU both have both have three weeks off during the season. It just feels like they're one of the the very clear examples about how things are not quite equal in college football and it worked against them this year. It, it worked against them. I, I still think if it were up to me, my vote would have been for the Bears. And I know that the non-conference schedule was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. As Jesse Palmer said on the Selection Sunday special, whatever ESPN had for like five hours. Right. It's indefensible. There's no way Baylor can look at that schedule that it played in the non-conference and defend yeah. it. Certainly not against TCU. Certainly and not. And they know that. They know I think that. Baylor's, Certainly not against Baylor Ohio State. Baylor is a self-aware program, no matter all of the ridiculous, like, this is America weirdness that Art Bryles is putting out onto the internet. Um, their loss to West Virginia was still better than Ohio State's loss to Virginia Tech. And they did beat TCU heads up. For me, it feels like Baylor would be more deserving than TCU. That said, I do feel like TCU is probably the only one of these three teams, again, Baylor, TCU, Ohio State, that could go into a tournament and win. I was going to say, on a neutral field, who do you feel better about, Baylor, Alabama, or TCU, Alabama? Probably say TCU. Yeah. So I understand I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth there. I guess, gun to my head, if I had to pick yeah, where's between your those breakfast? two. Who, who are you betting a breakfast on? If I'm betting a breakfast, I'm going TCU. Okay. Going TCU. Um, and breakfast is very important. So there you have it. There is your, uh, your, your final four. It's Ohio State, it's Florida State, it's Oregon, mm-hmm. and of course, it's Alabama. As a whole, how do you feel about this playoff now? We've gone a whole season. We've gone through all the rigors of this weird weekly polling system. Mm-hmm. The committee has spoken. Jeff Long has spoken countless times. I'm sick of yeah. seeing him on TV. <laughs> what is your takeaway from what you've seen so far? Is the playoff system working? Uh, yeah, it was the first year. It is the first year. I don't think anybody expected perfection or no speed bumps or hiccups or anything like that. Um, the big thing is that it was 
pretty useless beyond a marketing and publicity standpoint to do these weekly rankings because the whole thing of TCU, like clearly having the number three, most deserving, best looking resume through uh, rivalry week and then falling three spots after drilling a team they should drill and they're suddenly not the third best team. It, there's all these weird indefensible things that they need some some ironing over because it seems a little bit screwy. I think expanding will certainly help because there's no major sport that has four playoff teams. You want to get into the playoff business, run a correct playoff. I don't think baseball's had it since the early nineties and certainly football and basketball. It's been a long, long time since such few teams got into a meaningful postseason. So I think you'll see expansion. I think you will see changes. I hope there is, and this is, this is me echoing Bill Connolly who spoke earlier about it. There are better, more understandable, more defensible ways of mixing strength of schedule and some interesting and sensible metrics because the way it stands now with like, Hey, this team has a winning record. This team doesn't like, well, let's look at wins against top 25 teams specifically a little bit more closely. Let's look at what these teams are doing as far as improvement, which they did with Ohio state, but with four teams, look, it's much better to leave out number five than to leave out number three. I can agree. We, can we all agree on that? No matter if your team was left out or not, because this year, I guess Oregon would not have made it in. Right. And that's, that's going to be my whole point. I think as we move forward, as we look back on the playoff, right. there are still a lot of haters out there of this new haters. system. A lot of people who disagree with it. I won't name names. A lot of blowhards out there in the Twitter sphere talking about how this isn't the way it should be done. You people oh. wanted this. I saw one guy say, you, you people, people, you people wanted this. You people. Well, I tell you what. Yeah. Good, sir. Mm. I would much rather argue over who's number four than who's number two. It's statistics one-on-one. If you are trying to find yeah. the one true champion, Bob Bowlesby. <laughs> Playoffs, be Right. You've got better odds of doing so if you simply yeah. increase the sample size. Yeah. You people. Mm. You people wanted oh. this. Oh, I like the fact that people get to argue with actual people over yeah. who should play in the playoff. Yeah. Although only one person has really spoken from the committee. Only one spoken, but you'd have to assume there was some level of discourse inside that conference room. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's 2014, Dan. This is the first time this has ever happened. Think mm -hmm. about that for one second. Yeah. First time ever. The system is not perfect. No doubt about it. It's never going to be. No system was ever going to be perfect. It right. wasn't perfect when they used the Harris poll and the coaches poll and some weird weighting system that factored in computer polls. It was never going to be perfect, but I like right. this reality a little bit more. I can't argue. It's a, it's a step in the right direction. It's a great stepping stone. It's heartbreaking for some people. It's always going to be heartbreaking. If we go to an 18 playoff, number nine is going to be like, but we came in fourth place with a big turn west. I don't care. What I care about is there wasn't anything to detract away from me thinking these two games are going to be entertaining and we are going to feel confident in whoever wins this playoff being more of a sure thing than any real. I mean, there, there have been years where one team has clearly been the class of college football and deserved to win a national championship, but we don't have split national champions anymore. We don't have, you know, a team finishing the season number two in both human polls and the BCS leaving them out of the national championships, 2001 Oregon. 
Um, we don't have Auburn in 2004 going undefeated, but having played a really lackluster out of conference bad schedule and not getting Oklahoma or USC, there have been years that would have been much improved by this much more. So in a much more interesting way, we get more football. We get more good teams playing football into January. It's a net win. It sucks for people. Sometimes I'm sure it'll suck for Oregon in the next five years. I'm sure it'll suck for Notre Dame. Whatever the case is, we're going to bitch and moan, but it's still better. You people, you people, you people wanted this. You know yeah. what you people, you know what us people are going to do? We're going to watch the crap <laughs> yeah. out of this college football playoff. These games <sighs> now that they're set are yeah. going to pull monster ratings numbers espn must be licking its chops alabama ohio state two iconic blue bloods in the in the world of college football then you've got florida state and oregon i mean i'm interested to see the breakdowns of attendance and whether people are saying well i think i'm just gonna wait for the national championship game to buy a ticket and travel i don't want to go to the semi so that's why there is a possibility that oregon even though florida state i think does travel pretty well that Oregon maybe strongly outnumbers Florida State because Florida State has the roadiest game of the four teams flying cross country, and Oregon is already on the West Coast. We'll see. And Florida State fans were just there for the national championship. Right. I'm I'm I would be more curious to see what the breakdown of fans is. And by that I mean not so much Oregon versus Florida State, not so much Bama versus Ohio State, mm-hmm. but how about actual fan versus corporate sponsors? Because ultimately, that's what you're going to run into. Yeah. And I, I talked with a gentleman on Twitter about this, and he said, well, I, I think it's going to be a failure because fans aren't going to have the pocketbooks that enable them to travel to both these games. And I'd agree mm-hmm. with that. That said, the stadiums will not be empty. There's no chance of the stadiums being empty because there right. will be corporations involved. There'll be sponsorships involved. They mm-hmm. will find a way to fill up those stadiums. It just yeah. may be a lot of corporate shills who are interested in, you know, checking out the game because they got it from a client you watch your mouth because those corporate shells are responsible for giant inflatable dr pepper cans this is true this is <laughs> did you watch that of course i did oh my god what do you think about the chess passes and Actually, i watched a couple i watched the pac-12 one and the shoot the sec one but at halftime of another one we turned maybe it was during the halftime of the sec one. i forget during one of them we turned on college jeopardy on youtube and played I mean, do you do the chess? The chess pass obviously is the way to go for speed. No wind up involved. The chess pass has revolutionized the tuition throw. True. The way the clap skate revolutionized speed skating. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the app comparison. That's a very strange reference, but I'll buy it. I just don't know if I could look myself in the mirror. My friends. I know. Would all make. Well, I mean, what would your friends say if they saw you? If I won. And bought them a meal with my winnings. I don't know if it has to go all to tuition. I feel like they'd be a little bit. Are you thinking kinder. like a Del Taco meal, something a little more? Well, here's well, here's a problem too. A lot of my friends make gifts for my company. Okay. <laughs> and that makes it a little bit more challenging. But yeah, that's what I mean. Before I was even at this company, it was on a game show. There's a gif of me falling through a hole and looking yep. like an idiot. So, yep. you know, what are you going to do? I'd do the chess pass. If, if it was significantly better, it's one of those things like don't slide into first base. That slows you down. So if overhand throws slows me down, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, Ty. I feel like they need a new game. Yeah. They need something to. I don't know. It's it's pretty compelling stuff. Let's look at some of the other bowl games, shall we? Yeah, let's run through this. Let's do a lightning round of. uh, Actually, no, we have another game. You know, we need to talk about. Do we? We have one more game that happened. It's, you know, Ty, if you will. Yeah. 
one last time until the uh, until the fall of 2015. Yeah. Will you drop that big, nasty, sensual, ear nibbling drum and fife? It was a hell of a run, Ty. Yep. It was a hell of a run. Nobody disputes that. It was a year unlike any we've seen in the Pat League. I mean, we now have oof, two years under our belts. Uh, the Fordham Rams, yep. try valiantly as they might, could not overcome the mighty shadow of Charles Chip Kelly and Ricky Santos and fell. I think the United States Army just really wore them down, but they fell to the New Hampshire, whatever New Hampshire is. The, the Wildcats. Wildcats, yep. Yes. Um, I don't know what the score was. It was 40-something, some, 44-19. 44-19. I watched this game in its entirety. What were your takeaways? Mike Niebrick held entirely in check. Yeah, as it was you, an admiral effort. As you were accurate in pointing out on our Wednesday preview show, yeah. Fordham had the third best passing offense in FCS. Yeah. Mike Niebrick held to just 160 through the air. That was all she wrote. I would personally not want to play in the dungeon of Massachusetts. Of, uh, what is this? New Hampshire, not Massachusetts. Right. right. I don't want to play there. It looked horrible. It looked miserable. And New Hampshire is a very, very solid team. Yeah. Chase Babyface Edmonds in a, in a losing effort goes for 208 on the ground for the Rams. So no. we shout him out. We shout, of course, our buddy Buffalo Chicken Tony Reale out on a, a valiant effort by the Rams all season long. And we look forward to the 2015 season, not just from the Rams, but from the mightiest of all the conferences in the land, the Patriot League. We also should point out uh, two other games very quickly. Yeah, I want to end on the Patriot League. The Bedlam game was kind of crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, Oklahoma State wins 38-35 in overtime. I was thinking about this, Dan. In the Gundy's never leaving Stillwater. Yeah, in the Bedlam game, there is something you should probably do. What's that? I I was asking you, what what do you think that might be? Well, look, my general strategy just in general is you can't fully keep those records inside. You got to throw them out. You got to throw out those records. What do you think of that? That was a new one. That was, I really liked that. Came in a little loud on the headphones. Your audio game in 2014 is unrivaled. It's. They should set up a new site called unrivals.com. Unrivals? Unrivals.com because you are without peer when it comes to audio drops. Um, You got to throw those records out, Tyler. Wild finish. Oklahoma decides to punt Tyreek Hill. Less than a minute left, up seven. He runs the kickback, runs the punt back 92 yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Game goes overtime. Oklahoma misses a field goal, gives it back to Oklahoma State. They kick the field goal. Game over 38-35. Cowboys win. And then the other one that I'll mention very briefly, and then we'll talk very quickly about bowls, but Boise State 28, Fresno State 14. Looks like Boise is headed to a big New Year's Day bowl game. Yeah, I'm pulling it up now. The Fiesta against Arizona. Okay. It's a nice game for them. They've Absolutely. been the Fiesta Bowl before. Yeah. So here are your big games on New Year's Day. Let's let's run through a few of these. We already nice. mentioned Baylor against uh, Michigan State in the Cotton mm-hmm. Bowl. That one's at 1230 on New Year's Day. Yep. You've got um, 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 Georgia Tech on a new year's eve against mississippi state in the orange bowl that should be yep. a fun game yep also on new year's eve you've got arizona versus boise state yep in the peach bowl which they're resurrecting now you've got uh, tcu 
against Ole Miss. Another fun game. Yeah. Looking through these, there are some other ones that I think are uh, are very intriguing matchups. I already said don't look at Notre Dame LSU because that one's <laughs> going to be a bit of a bloodbath. Yeah. Some that jump out at me just off the top of my head. Duke Arizona State is intriguing, I think, for all the wrong reasons. I feel like ASU is probably okay. a way better team, but because they lost their chance at a Pac-12 championship, there's definitely a chance they're mailing it in and Duke could win that game. I'm intrigued by the, I'm not positive you're a top 12 team bowl between UCLA and Kansas State. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia, Texas A&M for all the passing yards and all the points. Yep. Texas, Arkansas is a strange we, matchup. Uh, we could have had Texas, Texas A&M. Bunch of cowards. Texas against Arkansas is yeah. a matchup that on paper looks like Arkansas should steamroll Texas, but you just don't know because the Texas defense is pretty stout. I'm not going to watch you, Stanford and Maryland. <laughs> Wisconsin, Auburn is mm-hmm. a matchup of two teams that definitely could have been more. Yep. Iowa, Tennessee is a game I would suggest no one watch. Yeah, don't do that. You know what? I, I am Colorado State, Utah. Colorado State has a great quarterback. Yeah. No more head coach. Yeah. But I think that could be some intrigue going against that Utah defensive line with Nate Orchard uh, and Hunter Dimmick. I'm, I'm down with watching that. Is ECU playing in a bowl game? That's 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 a lot of sea level in that game. ECU's against Florida. ECU, Florida. Oh, man. Good offense, defense matchup at the very least. Florida got in. Good for them. Florida got in. Um, what else am I looking at? Texas, Arkansas, you mentioned. Clemson, Oklahoma in the Russell Athletic in Orlando. Uh, we should, by the way, enthusiastic shout out to the Belk Bowl. Yes. Two good teams in Louisville and Georgia. Offense, defense, that Georgia offense with an improved Hudson Mason going against a Louisville secondary. That's pretty filthy. And, you know, Nick Chubb, even though girl Chubb is not a thing anymore, there's still, there's still all sorts of weaponry for the dogs and Louisville's defense has been mostly very, very good and might secretly have the second best receiver in the country beyond Amari Cooper and Devonte Parker. Um, there will be fun to be had Washington, Oklahoma state. That could be a 53 47 game. Sure. That could be. I don't know. Um, and then the New Year's games will be fun. And you and I will be in the Lone Star State come the first week of January. We will. All right. So I want to give one more shout out here. Please. I'm looking at the funofficepool.com. Oh, can I can I stop you real quick? Yeah. Uh, this happened right after our previous show. Mike Riley's the head coach of Nebraska. Yeah, I was going to get to that on Wednesday. Oh, were you? We're doing okay, that show. Sorry, sorry, please. But there is some definite news that we need to cover on our next yeah. show. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out to Maize and Blue. Whoever okay. Maize and Blue is, if you could send us an email at solidverbal at gmail.com. Yeah. Maize and Blue won the Solid Verbal Pick'em Pool on the year 86 and 65. Jeez. That's one game up on Don Riga and Callie GT. Well and done. two games up on the David Cutcliffe Buffet. Mm. Butch, please. Booby Seven. Our boy Chris the Capper. And then Nut Shaden. Nut sure. Shaden. Sure. So Maize and Blue, congratulations. You win. Uh, you win a shirt, so send us an email. We're going to do a pick'em pool here mm-hmm. that you can get in on. We'll post that information on our Twitter it's, and on our Facebook. confidence one? Yep, confidence yeah. pool. Not going nice. to do the spreads this time around. Um, we will have information on that 
please. I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna charge ten thousand dollars for my picks because I'm gonna be wrong about all of them. I went zero and five this week. You I may find five. that you do better in bowl season because bowl season's really yeah. unpredictable. That's true. Um, I need to calculate. I'm not positive. I there is a very good chance I finish this season 25% against the spread. Well, here's the thing. What did George Costanza say? If everything I've ever said in life was wrong, the opposite would have to be right. Right. So I'm thinking bowl season. If yeah, everything, enough. It, you know, it's like the opposite. Every single thing that you said with 75% accuracy, mind you, this regular season has been dead wrong. If mm-hmm. you stay on that trajectory, maybe it's right. like, an inverse effect going on and you'll actually be right in bowl season since it's already so unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, Oh, actually, no, I guess I I didn't finish on five. I took, Oh no, I did. I took Florida state and they won by two. Correct. Yep. That was a three and a half or four point spread. Yeah. Man, if I hit 75%, that's, you know, Ty, that is awful is what that is. You say awful Ty. I maintain that's like somebody did the math. And if I just get, if I just flipped a coin, I know you though. Right. You are a competitive person. That's that is true. There is part of you looking at your record thinking, where did this all go wrong? And why is this happening to me? <sighs> I put in a lot of time studying and you, looking at matchups. You can't at, lie I, to me here. I know I'm no, right. I know. No, I know. Oh, I'm totally competitive. And it was the first week I went, I did really I went 0 and 5. And then the second week I went 0 and 5. And then it, it occurred to me that I was like, this is really bad, but kind of rare like it's difficult yeah. to do that yeah and then i went one in four and i said i think i'm well, i guess i'm not on to something i think i'm off to something here right and what did i tell you when we were talking about bombas what are my two central life tenets uh keeping your feet comfortable yep and um i forget the other one tie your critical listening is absurdly bad i know, I know. um Always embrace. Always embrace. Always embrace. You know, make the best of a situation. Look at the bright side. Steer in. If I'm 75% wrong, that means I'm 75%. That's something, Ty. And I just, the altar of Dan, stronger than it's ever been, Ty. Being rebuilt somewhere in a junkyard, but still in existence and uh, 75% wrong, as you said, it's still 75%. So... Listen, I uh, I want to thank my parents. Yeah, I want to thank the troops and God. I want to thank God. Um, and I'm trying to thank R. Kelly, but I'm trying. Where where is he? What is that song? What is the name of that song? Uh, World's Greatest. Oh, there it is. Um, I really want to see if I hit 75 because then that becomes. There you go. Special. I did the math, by the way, and I believe if someone bet against you every week Mm -hmm. with $100 per game, five games a week, 15 weeks, Uh they would have made a profit of somewhere in the neighborhood of $3,100. That's not bad. Yeah. You know why? I am. That too. That's me. I do do that. That's all I got. Okay. Well, it's been a fun year for sure. Oh, now another song came on. Whoops. Okay. It has been a fun year. It's been a very fun year. We will be doing the confidence pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget, you can vote on the verbies. Got all sorts of fun stuff coming up. I believe the plan is still we're going to continue doing two shows a week. And we are going to be going to Dallas 
where mm-hmm. we'll be interviewing some media members. We had some feedback last year on the frequency of our shows, the length of our shows when we're in yeah. Dallas. So we're going to try and tailor things a little bit better. So it's easier for people to consume the shows that we Micro are posting yeah. out into uh, the world. We will come up with something surely to make that experience fun for not only us, but everyone who listens along at home as well. Daniel, you know what we do in the off season tie? Yeah. We get weird. Yeah. If anybody's just started listening during the season, we keep it going in the off season. We talk to all sorts of smart people and we also vary what we talk about. Sex we're, positions. Yeah. It's going to get tortas. Weird. It's going to get weird. Sex positions called the torta. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get weird. So yeah. I, for one, I'm excited that we could take a little bit of a breather now. Yes. Get ourselves together. Talk about bowls. Talk about playoffs. Hopefully I can heal from whatever ailment I've had for the last like two weeks now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been unable to talk. I had a concerned verballer ask me if everything was okay and telling me right. I need to fix my voice. Believe me, I'm trying. It's dying. on. <laughs> it is dying on me, Dan, right now. Yeah, I'm I'm fading. Go out and get drunk tomorrow. I'm going to try my best. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty, here in good old Eastern Pennsylvania. Thanks again for tuning into the Solid Verbal. Thanks again for listening along with us this season. Much more fun to come. Check us out at SolidVerbal.com. Find us on Facebook, on Fancred, and on Twitter. And by all means, until Wednesday, do what you do and stay solid. Peace!